Welcome to another episode of the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific. I'm actually back from the Pacific Islands of Fiji and in the freezing cold winter, summer of Tasmania. And I'm sitting here with Melinda Tankard-Reese today. We've been speaking at a forum around the issues of pornography with church leaders. So good to see you again, Melinda. Always good to see you, Tish. It's been a while. Um, probably I don't think I've seen you this year, but we've both had huge years. You have, you and your colleague Daniel have spoken to over 20,000 school students this year. Well done. Thank you so much. It's just been a great privilege to get back out on the road uh, with, with Daniel and to be able to empower and equip young people to resist the toxic messages of pornography and, and porn culture, to see them empowered to act personally and and collectively against the scripts of the global porn industry which is preying on them and uh, giving them harmful ideas about bodies sexuality and and relationships so it really is wonderful and I, I certainly won't take the work for granted again having lost it for two years now today we're going to have a bit of a discussion of whether as young women we should date, <laughs> we, um, they should date, I still think I'm young and I'm dateable, <laughs> whether they should date um, boys or young men who are addicted to porn. So um, for you and I it's a pretty much of a no-brainer we, and we could finish the podcast right now with one answer. What's your answer? run like the wind, run as fast as you possibly can. Do not date boys or men who consume porn. It will go badly for you. It will not go well for you. You will not flourish. You will not live your best life. You will end up like the women in my new book, He Chose Porn Over Me, Women Harmed by Men Who Use Porn, wishing, wishing that they had not got involved with a habitual porn-consuming male who does not want to change, who loves his porn more than he loves her. I have interviewed so many women who regret their life with a compulsive, habitual porn-using male. They have ended up suffering, they're leading half-lives, they become shells of themselves. And the women in my book say they wish someone had said to them when they were young, do not date men or boys who use porn. Well, that's the end of our podcast. Thank you very much, everyone. Um, yeah, look, we don't want to make light of it because this is a really serious issue. And this year you have um, produced an amazing book. Uh, he Chose Porn Over Me. I read it in about two days. It's it's tragic. <laughs> the stories of over 25 women. These are women in the church as well as not in the church. Uh, can you give us a bit of a a wrap-up of what some of them particularly said, why, why we should never date men who are addicted to porn. This collection gives us an inside look into the lived experiences of women in relationships with porn-consuming men. The women said things like this, that the men they were with, their partners, expected them to engage in degrading, debased, depersonalised sex acts. Sex acts that left them feeling like a piece of meat. So many women used phrases like, uh, he used me like a blow-up doll. They felt that they existed only for his sexual gratification and pleasure. 
Uh, many of them endured uh, choking, um, strangulation. Many of them discovered that their partners were also consuming women in the sex industry. It affected their body image. They felt that they weren't hot enough, not sexy enough. They started to compare their bodies with the bodies of uh, porn performers that th their partners preferred. The, the women uh, were expected to provide sex uh, constantly. Some women were providing sex four times a day and it wasn't enough. Some women were expected to provide sex when they had their periods, when they were sick, when they'd just given birth to babies. Another repercussion was that for many women, their partners were no longer sexually interested in them or interested in them in any way. Porn colonised their union, porn colonised their family lives. These men were consuming porn day and night and became completely disinterested in, in their partners. These men were consuming porn everywhere, at home, in the garage, in the shed, in the toilet, uh, at the bus rest stop on a holiday, while they were supposed to be babysitting children, uh, while they were at work uh, all the time and they had an absolute extreme sense of entitlement to pornography. His right to get off on porn trumped her right to be treated with respect and dignity and love and care. Uh, porn just totally dominated uh, their lives. Now some of these women didn't want to leave uh, their marriages. They tried everything to the complete suffering of themselves, to complete and utter self-abasement and self-sacrifice, to no avail. If he does not want to change, if he's not interested in changing, if he has had shown no signs of changing, she's not obliged to stay in this relationship. Uh, and yeah, there, there's some of the stories uh, and a warning to all women, don't date men who use porn and get out if you are, get out because uh, unless he's committed to change, um, you will basically lose your life. Now, it sounds like you're talking about um, men that are living down a back alleyway somewhere or addicted to drugs, the way you're explaining it. But um, you know all this stuff. And sorry, I didn't introduce you properly. You're the founder of Collective Shouter, an activism organisation that is... Um, combating exploit, sexual exploitation across our nation and the globe. You are probably Australia's premier speaker on the issue of pornography. You spend your days in and out of schools speaking, as I said, to thousands of kids. So you know these stories just from talking to the everyday woman. It's not like you've gone to the, the um, drug cartels of Melbourne or anything. These are your everyday women, as I've said, inside and outside of the church. Now, just coming back to, because I think something in the book, you know, when men generally find out there's sometimes a bit of remorse, um, but it's really, they would promise to change, but then they wouldn't, unless there's drastic action. So what's the drastic action that's needed from us as women? Women have to draw a line in the sand and not put up with these behaviours. These behaviours. Women have been socialised to put up and endure so much and that's not going to help him change. Many of these men continue to consume porn. We're using women in the sex industry. We're consuming porn even in the family home, exposing children to porn. Uh, and women gave them so many chances to change and often the uh, so-called therapists and counsellors, even church pastors, were complicit in the harm being done. Um, often what forced change 
was when she leaves. Because as long as she stays, he gets to present this perfect family life uh, for faith-based couples. Uh, he still got to go to church. Uh, sometimes he even had a prominent role in the church. So he got to maintain a facade. Meanwhile, consuming porn every night, he's become a patron of the global sex industry, which contributes to trafficking in women. So every download makes him a patron, fuels the demand for women's bodies, which are also used in the production of pornography as well as in prostitution. So drastic action was required. And the only men I know who have changed took radical action, smashed their phones, smashed their devices, threw the computer away, or had every, um, every uh, accountability program known to mankind, uh, had, uh, were transparent, had accountability groups, uh, got the therapy, uh, got the help, did the work, did the work. But they were the minority. Like That is just a tiny minority of the men because most of them didn't do the work weren't committed to doing the work. Uh, so if they're not committed to doing the work, I don't believe that the partner needs to stick around because life will be miserable for her and her children and uh, you, know, you won't flourish in, in uh, a relationship with an, uh, with an abuser. This is abuse, that's how the women experienced it. Uh, and a crushing of the bonds of intimacy and connection and you know, dare I say, uh, love. Uh, why should she have to endure that? Why should she have to be collateral damage in her partner's insatiable greed for uh, pornography? Yeah, no, that's so true, um, what you're saying there. So um, the question is then, and we know the statistics of um, the alarming rates of men who are watching porn and the growing rates of women. The porn industry knows it's got the men, so it's targeting the women so who do we date then <laughs> like what's you know because um, this is the church problem as well so are we all just meant to be single to we're 85 I think uh, being single is far preferable to being in a relationship with a man who doesn't care for you right if he's um, getting off on porn day and night consuming porn uh, if he is consuming uh, images that are um, violent and degrading, I mean, you know, real women are used in the production of pornography. This is not fantasy. Women are being abused to make pornography and, uh, you know, being, being raped. And we have enough accounts now from survivors of this industry to know what really goes on. And uh, that kind of man is not worth committing to and being with. Like, why be single? Uh, hang out with your friends. Seriously, look, I don't know what other choice there is because, you know, I've interviewed too many women now and what is on offer uh, is disgusting and debasing and degrading and dehumanising. Uh, you, you know, you're better off single, really. You're better off single because so many women felt, oh, you know, you need to have a boyfriend, you need to have a husband, you need to you know, you're not good enough on your own, which is actually not true because those women now regret, now, now wish that they had chosen to be single uh, until, you know... Look, what, what, what you are asking here goes to a bigger question, that is our failure to form good men, right? This is the, the big question I have is, uh, if we fail in this project of forming good, caring, kind, empathetic, emotionally literate men, why... Why wouldn't women choose to be single 
or to live with their, their girlfriends live in all-women communities uh, because that is far more appealing, right, than being in, in a relationship with a man who is sexually demanding, abusive, entitled, socialised, to think that you have to do everything that he wants at the complete detriment of yourself. Um, singleness looks pretty attractive to women that are in these relationships and now wish they were single. Uh, look, I can vouch for being single and I've always said I'd much rather be single than married to uh, just the wrong guy, someone addicted to porn. Um, and reading, reading your book, um, I remember saying to you when, after I'd read it, every 16 and above, maybe it's not, well, they probably do, every 16 and above needs to read it because uh, it'll scare the bejeebies out of you. Now, look, there'll be some men listening to this going, well, hang on, there's girls watching porn too. So should men date girls who are watching porn? They're completely, they're not even, it's not even comparable. Now, of course, I'm against porn consumption for reasons I've, you know, written about and spoken about and devoted years to. However, women aren't going around demanding to choke men, to strangle them, to degrade and debase them, to threaten them with rape if they don't send nude pictures. The pathways are different. So the little research that's out there, and there's not much, and also anecdotally as told to me, many girls are introduced to porn by, by someone they're seeing, they're introduced by a boyfriend, a hookup, who wants porn to be part of their sexual repertoire. The women, the girls didn't go and seek it. It was introduced into the relationship. Girls have also been taught by the culture that this is empowering and liberating and sexy and that this is what girls should do. They should provide the porn star experience. You know, this is a lie. It's a false version of empowerment and liberation. So that the culture has groomed girls now to think, well, I should enjoy porn. I should enjoy being choked and strangled and bound and gagged. Another pathway that young women have told me is that they were trying to understand the sexual abuse that happened to them as children that it becomes an attempt to try to make sense of sexual abuse in childhood and then it becomes a self-soothing mechanism. I spoke to a young woman only last week who consumed porn from 10 to 18 until she got therapy and recognised that this was related to her sexual abuse as a child. So the, what, the pathways to entry are different, the motivation is different Girls are not spending hours consuming rape porn, torture porn, sadism, bestiality and incest, right? And the outcomes are different. Of course, it's harmful to any consumer, no doubt about it. However, girls are not uh, raping boys. And yet the, the, the global data is telling us that porn is a driver of violence against women and girls, contributing to rape, contributing to sexually aggressive acts, contributing to sexual harassment. So I don't treat them the same. And often it's an excuse. If I give a presentation and I give all of the evidence and give multiple stories and accounts shared with me about sexual aggression, abuse, um, sexual groaning and moaning in schools, touching, groping, uh, threats to be raped if you don't send a picture. I tell all these horrible stories and the first questions I get is, well, what about girls? Or what about the girls that are using? This is deflecting the main issue here. So I won't accept it. I won't stand for it. 
can't you just sit for a minute with the horrors I've just told you, right? The violence against women, which is epidemic globally. Can't you sit with that for a minute without playing whataboutery with me, right? Sorry, I have no patience for it. I will address the question, but does it have to be the first question you ask me after I've just described women being subjected to sadistic violence daily? Really? That's where you want to take this? Like, at least sit with that, please, for a minute, and then I'll address the girl question. Well said. Um, We heard today that the biggest perpetrators of sexual um, assault in Australia is boys between the ages of 15 to 19. So it's, you know, not your men in trench coats living in basements um, and most of these are in schools just as we end because our dinner's just arrived tell us what you're hearing from like year seven year eight girls at school what are boys doing because this is yeah it's starting early grades fives and sixes now are telling me as well as seven and eights they're subjected to daily sexual grunting groaning and moaning noises so these are boys simulating orgasm in front of girls in front of female teachers every day at school Uh, They're telling me about boys masturbating in front of them on the school bus at the school camp. They're telling me about boys uh, trying to climb over the shower stalls at the school camp to film the girls. Year 7 girl recently at a Christian school told me a Year 7 boy offered her a $100 note to make a porn film with him and his mates. That boy got an after-school detention when the girl reported it to the school. Girls are telling me that boys are threatening to rape their mothers and their sisters if they don't send, uh, if girls don't send a picture. This is what we're talking about. Girls are now telling me these stories at younger ages. It's absolutely heartbreaking, and uh, this is a crisis. We have to act um, urgently because we are actually breeding and creating a generation of sociopaths. If these boys are not pulled up at school for these behaviours, which are a crime, by the way. What will they be doing when they leave school? What happens if they become uh, police officers, God help us? What happens if they uh, become uh, you know, leaders of, of, of business and industry? What happens if they become sports coaches? What happens if they become uh, politicians? Uh, how will they be able to act fairly and, and, and justly and act ethically and well in their whatever roles they are in? And it doesn't serve the boys to let them get away with these behaviours, to say boys will be boys, to make excuses, to blame the girls. It's not serving the boys to let them get away with it. There has to be consequences for for this serious behaviour, which is deforming them, harming girls and harming the community as a whole. We cannot sustain a healthy society. Uh, We cannot certainly sustain relationships, let alone long-term marriage and family lives, if this is not addressed. So it's deforming to society as a whole. We're seeing the fruits of that. We're seeing the outcomes of um, the proliferation and globalization of porn and the scripts of the global sex industry. Uh, We talk about, you know, consent and respect programs. Well, if they are not addressed through a porn critical lens, uh, we lose because the, the porn industry is the biggest department of education in the world. Right, so a lot of these programs are doomed to fail because they're not porn critical. Uh, so it's an urgent uh, issue. Uh, it is a public health crisis. It is harming our children and young people especially. Uh, and we all are complicit in this if we don't do something about it. And thanks for your efforts, Tish, to address it. So he chose Porn Over Me. Where can people get a hold of this book? Just in case they're not believing what you're saying today and want to read it for themselves, where do they get it? 
Well, you can order it through my website, melindatankardreese.com. Uh, it helps me. It helps uh, support my work if you order it through my website. Uh, you can also get it from any, any, any good bookshop. Uh, so, yeah, please, uh, please do get this book because uh, it would honour the lived experiences of the very brave contributors who have uh, shared their stories so, so vulnerably and their lived experience demonstrates the harmful effects of uh, the global porn, porn industry in a very uh, raw and immediate and intimate, intimate way. So, yeah, he chose porn over me, my website, melindatankardreese.com. Just finally, um, I asked a, a, a good man, well, a good guy in his 20s the other day, if, um, if a girl asked him, you know, before he was walking with Jesus, if he was watching porn, would he have said yes or no? You know, and he said he'd probably lie. Um, but there's some real indicators, because they, they probably will lie because they really want the girl. <laughs> so what are the indicators just to look out for uh, in case he's said, no, I'm not watching porn, but you begin to see some interesting behaviour? Well, it's interesting you mention this because uh, recently I've heard of three young married couples who are now divorced, divorcing in their 20s, uh, because he did lie. And because those around him, and this is often in a faith-based context, said marriage will cure you. We don't need to tell her, but, you know, marriage will fix you. And, of course, it didn't fix him. She finds out afterwards, feels she's been betrayed and lied to and tricked. Uh, you know, she, she is not the cure, She's not the cure. Sort yourself out. Sort yourself out. Don't bring her into it, you know. Uh, so the signs, warning signs, red flags to look for. Uh, suspicious behaviour, shutting down the computer quickly when you walk into the room. Hours online, finding an excuse not to do things with you. Um, coercing you to do things you don't want to do early when you're not ready, love bombing, um, yeah, just deceit, um, manipulation, emotional manipulation, you know, if you really loved me or, well, look, we're engaged or we're virtually, we're going to get married anyway, um, just not treating her with respect. But you have to be so careful and so vigilant because even guys who present as respectful good guys uh, can be harbouring this secret. And uh, so you've got to ask questions. Like I say, ask questions straight up, straight up. Do you use porn? Do you use porn? And keep asking. And if he says yes in the past but not now, just keep, keep, keep asking the question. Or do you have accountability software? Uh, are you transparent? Do you have a group that you meet with regularly? Uh, you know, she shouldn't have to police that. You know, he needs to be demonstrating that he is getting help if he has uh, claimed to have, have changed. Uh, you know, show me the money, show me the proof. But be, be very careful and very vigilant because we know this affects all men, so you can't be too cautious. Yep. Well, there you go. Should we date men who are watching porn? The answer is a loud, clear no. Run. <laughs> Run as fast as you can. But thank you, Melinda. You've been working in this space for over 35 years tirelessly. Thank you for all you do. Um, the problem seems to be getting worse, not better, but I'd hate to know what it would be like if you weren't there so thank you for your time we're going to go and enjoy some lamb shoulder easily i see your suffering i see the pain beneath that bull of smile come out from hiding the sun is rising
Jesus' name.